Hello, what have we here? Welcome to episode 11 of Lando's Lounge. Sorry about last Sunday. Mm-hmm. This episode should have been out last Sunday, but it wasn't. <laughs> um, but it's here now because we finally rewatched Rogue One and we're here to talk about how we felt about it and kind of if there's anything different from previous times we've watched it and you know by now we've done a few of these rewatches yeah. so it's you, you pre- kind of get know the, the drill idea, if yeah. you've been listening so um i mean i guess i'll start with we both own the novelization of rogue one neither of us have read it <laughs> so it, it'll be interesting to read that and Maybe we should both speed read that. That'll be our little book club for Thursday's episode. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. <laughs> I have too many books on my plate at the moment. Yeah, um, same, actually. But anyways, I'm sure that has a few insights into this movie. Um, that'll be worthwhile. Um, and I only say that because I can see it on the shelf mm-hmm. from right where I'm sitting. So, um, there's a lot in this movie that... I, well, I'll just say this. The first time I watched the movie, I wasn't completely sold on it. I was just kind of like, this is weird. Until, like, the end. Like, the final act was really good. But, mm-hmm. like, up until then, it was, like, a lot of political heads talking and a lot of uh, military, like, yeah. backstabbing between Imperials. Which is cool for what it is, but, like, it wasn't as captivating as I was expecting for a quote-unquote Star Wars war movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when I think of Rogue One, I kind of always forget what what happens in, like... Most of the it? The middle of the movie. I do... Uh, when I think of Rogue One, I primarily think of the very opening scene, just because... I iconic. Mean, I mean, it's, re- like... Uh, it will be... I, f- I feel it's like iconic. that scene will be, like, one of the... It's iconic. iconic from it's beautiful with like oh, yeah. the green fields, the blue sky, and like the rain which, and stuff. Yeah, like it's just misty, mm-hmm. kind of. And I also think of obviously the the epic climax, the final battle on Scarif, both on land and in the sky. There, mm-hmm. that's what I think of when I think of Rogue One. I always kind of forget what happens in the middle. I know that Saw Gerrera is always mm-hmm. in there somewhere, but not for long, and. uh so, it definitely drags towards the middle, but, I mean, what mm-hmm. it what comes off as lackluster in the middle definitely is made up for by the, the wow and the punch well, yeah. act. And, and the, that's, only, that's only referring to, like, the action of it. Like, yeah. the character stuff and, like, the dialogue and, like, the world kind of exploring stuff that happens in the middle is all really cool, mm-hmm. but it's, like... If you're watching it for the first... Like, I feel like when I watch a movie, the first time I'm watching it for entertainment, and then, like, the next few times I watch it is when I'm actually watching it for the first time. Yeah. Like, for example, with most other of, like, the Star Wars movies, like this, the saga stories, like, the first time I watched it is just like, <gasps> wow, and, like, <laughs> the eyes wide and the wow. mouth open, like, wow, wow. look at all the explosions. <laughs> wow. And then, like, the second and third yeah. time that I watch it, I'm like, I'm ah, like, I'm catching on to, like, the themes of it now and, like, mm-hmm. the plot, like, deeper stuff that's more of, like, the, more of, like, what movies are, like, good like yeah. what make, what makes a movie good no, I know isn't what just like at. all the flashy action but mm-hmm. like if it has at its core like something important and mm-hmm. something that's like urgent yeah, to get that like message, the movie yeah. needs to like say mm-hmm. and so that kind of stuff is more important to me than the action but it's like on the first watch of a movie it's not what you're focusing on cuz you're still caught up in the spectacle so for rogue one i feel like the spectacle was in the end, especially. And then, like, a lot of during the middle and stuff was kind of nostalgia. Mm. But, like, it wasn't super... Like, the only other action set piece that, like, I remember, remember, like, even... Like, 
I remember a lot now because we just watched yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, in two weeks or whatever, the set pieces I'll remember are going to be that final battle. And then when uh, Saw Gerrera and his men kind of On do Jedha, the terrorist attack in Jeddah. And that's when Chirrut does the awesome, mm-hmm. like, fight against the group of stormtroopers. Those two are, like, the action scenes that, like, I'll remember. But... Like, going back and looking at kind of the themes of it is more of an impressive movie that way than it is because of, like, the action throughout mm-hmm. it, is what I'm trying to say in poorly strung together, yeah. longer I gotcha. words. Um, the one thing, I'm gonna kind of skip to the end of the movie, which is not... <laughs> Maybe in best form, but this is just the one thing that was sticking out to me probably the most, was throughout Star Wars, like, they, it's all the talk about, like, hope and stuff, and he was like, we have to, uh, you know, we have to believe, we have to give our all to this cause or whatever, and I feel like, and this not doesn't just apply to Star Wars, but a lot of movies where, like, the heroes are, like, we have to be willing to risk everything, but then there are no mm-hmm. actual consequences. Yeah. But I feel like I definitely remember the first time I saw this movie in theaters, it certainly subverted my expectations in a good way. Not, they didn't subvert it just to subvert it, but... Mm-hmm. Um, in the fact that all of the main characters died. And I yeah. really liked it because... It's something that's it, not yeah, it, done. Yeah, it... I mean, one, you weren't... I mean, you were sad every time you saw one of these characters you've come to learn mm-hmm. and to love. You were sad when you saw them die, but, like, you knew why they died. Because they all died, like, sacrificing to just do one small thing that yeah. built up to... And, uh, well, continue your thought. Yeah, I, I mean... I'll... So there's just the string of sacrifices that they all make that uh, consequently ends in their death, but it just pushes them, like, one step closer mm-hmm. to just barely scraping by and succeeding with the mission. Mm-hmm. So, like, the, I mean, at that final sequence, the rebels just barely get away with the plans. So you think, you know, if they had failed at this one tiny thing or if they had taken just a minute too long, like, mm-hmm. what could have the outcome been? yeah. If not for that. Um, On that, (laughs) like, definitely some of the characters do sacrifice themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, I think K2 and um, Chira especially kind of stick out in that regard. But, like, as for, um, like, Bodhi, (laughs) like, he plugs in that thing and, like, he sends the message or Mm -hmm. whatever um, to whoever it needs to go to. But then just, like, one random trooper just throws a grenade into the ship he's standing in, and he just watches it, like, bounce next to him. And then he... Bro. Like, there's nothing There's nothing he can do. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's jumping on the grenade to, like, save a group of men or whatever. It's just, like, he does a thing, and then, like, war happens, and a grenade lands near mm-hmm. him, and he just dies. <laughs> and yeah. it's not, like, super heroic, but, it, like, obviously he's there... So it's heroic yeah, in that I mean, regard. But, like, he's not saving someone's life, like, by giving his own life in the way that kind of yeah. Chirrut does, where he's like, if I don't walk out into this hail of mm-hmm. blaster fire, then no one's going to flip that switch and we're all going to die. And he flips the switch because the force allows him to get there. But then, like, obviously, like, his his purpose is served in the galaxy and he's mm-hmm. done with. But Bodhi, it was like... Like, especially his death just seems so, like, pessimistic. Because it was like... It's tragic. Yeah, he, he's, he's like, yeah! He's, he's been, like he's been doing a lot of stuff good, and then he just gets canned by, like, basically... <laughs> a st- rock, not bro. It's not really a stray grenade, but it might as well have been. Because it was mm-hmm. just, like, one grenade, and it, he's just done for. So... Rip Bodie. Um, I, yeah, I will say, like, this movie definitely... Like, I think a lot of blockbusters struggle with, like, having accurate... Or not accurate, but, like, adequate stakes. Yeah. Where it's, like, you'll have, um... 
I feel like I've picked on Marvel a lot <laughs> in like the past two episodes. But like we're Star Wars fans. One thing that's sounds, one thing yeah. that's bugged me is as much as I liked Infinity War, like when all those characters died at the end, we were like, well, they're all coming back. Yeah. We know half these people already have sequels in the works. So it's like, there wasn't really any stakes, because we were like, well, we kind of already know what's going to happen mm-hmm. here. And so for this one, it was like all new characters. It wasn't like Princess Leia was running around on the yeah. battlefield, and we would have been like, oh, well, she's going to be all right. But it was like random people, and then you just watch like, the first one die, and you're like, oh, dang. And then We're the next voting, one die. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and oh, then the next, the next two die, and you're like, well, shoot. And <laughs> then everyone dies. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, dang. Like that's, like, that's good suspense, but also, like, the stakes feel real yeah. when you watch it every time. Because you're like, these guys have this mission, and... I've seen this before, and I know they're all going to die. So it's like... And I know we're getting, like, a prequel about Cassian, but it's like those characters don't return <laughs> unless it's yeah. what happened before. So I I really appreciated that, and I think that was a... Br- like, I don't want to say brave, because it, so- <laughs> it sounds like... It's- so inspirational, yeah. man. <laughs> but it's definitely, like... It's somewhat of a risk in today's yeah. in today's studio system. I so think, courageous to make to make a movie that you know isn't gonna get sequels. And they're like, "Well, we could squeeze a prequel out of here," but like, mm-hmm. there's no way these characters are coming back, so they're not like super marketable, you know? Because it's not like, oh, what happens next to yeah. Chirrut Imwe? So I really appreciate that, and I really appreciate. Just it seems like they put a lot of effort into it to make it feel like the seventies Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And even just like you said, the characters aren't necessarily marketable, but that not due to the fact that they're not lovable. Good. I feel yeah, like definitely not that. with something like Star Wars where we've had years and years with so many iconic characters to just in one spin off movie create a whole cast of characters that mm-hmm. are like each so memorable but don't necessarily like get like a massive amount of time on screen Mm -hmm. except for probably like Jin and Cassian I think that's a feat in and of itself because like most people uh who've seen this movie even just once they're like although they might not remember like everyone's Mm -hmm. specific name and like everything they did they're like oh yeah the blind guy yeah like like all the characters are unique and they're all lovable i Mm -hmm. guess in a way and yeah Yeah. i just think that's something to be said in and of itself with a blockbuster movie like this yeah it's different from like the saga films where they end and you're like oh i wonder what's next for ray and Mm -hmm. her connection with kylo ren how's that gonna turn out are they gonna kiss yeah. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> we have our opinions on that. We'll get to it in a few episodes. But, few um... Weeks. Yeah, it's like... They create this cast of characters knowing that the only way you can bring them back is in... Is in our hearts. Is by going back... <laughs> is by going backwards, mm-hmm. kind of. So, yeah, I think it's really... It's really different among most modern movies so Mm -hmm. um and you touched on kind of the unique characters so i guess we can give our thoughts on each of the characters because i think that's really where this movie shines the most Mm -hmm. is in its characters not only because of the characters but like the actors they chose they're like so diverse and like they're trying to bring and it's kind of the theme of the movie but it's like people from all different backgrounds backgrounds coming together for like a singular purpose and so you have like a girl who was raised by basically like the isis of star wars mm-hmm. which is saw Gerrera and his guys who are yeah they're fighting against the empire but like the scene where they bomb the tank in the street is definitely inspired by like modern like middle eastern conflict like mm-hmm. just the look of yeah. it like it's a desert city and like the people just appear from balconies and the architecture and 
It's the de- it's it was definitely on, it was drawn, on the nose. <laughs> it's definitely drawing parallels to like modern yeah. issues. And I saw this thing, I forget where it was, or maybe I heard it on another podcast, but they were like the Death Star in this movie where in the 70s and things it was kind of a metaphor for like atomic bombs having the capability to like destroy the world and stuff. Mm-hmm. But in this one it's much more like drone strikes because like you have these guys standing around computers watching it from like a distance whereas in the other one they were like just watching out the window and the whole planet explodes but then in this one they're like oh yeah we'll watch it and then like they can bomb specific targets and then they're like oh yes nicely done and then they just go about their day and so like the just the connection to like modern Mm -hmm. modern like issues but also making it look and feel like those 70s star wars again was a feat in and of itself but um as for the diversity aspect of it like the point of the movie is that all these characters are from totally different walks of life but they come together for like a purpose that serves like the greater galaxy and so bringing in like two well-known actors from like chinese cinema in donnie yen and i forget the other guy's name who plays Baze. But they're both... I know they're both popular in Chinese movies. Donnie Yen, especially. I know he's from Ip Man, which is like a kung fu series. But um, then also having like a Middle Eastern guy like Bodhi and a uh, Hispanic guy with um, Diego Luna. Luna. Uh, what's what's Bodhi's actor's name? It's Dude, like beats me, man. <laughs> I... I I swear I know it, but I can't. I'm think bad of it. with names. Um, and Jin Erso obviously is like white British woman, like a female lead, mm-hmm. and um, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Am I? K two, he's a droid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, Saw Gerrera is a black man, and he's like freaking awesome in this movie mm-hmm. he's like the rebel darth vader basically i don't know <laughs> yeah it's it's just like really good not only the th- like characters in the movie are doing what the theme of the movie is but also like the production is kind of also mm-hmm. fulfilling that theme yeah one thing about saw Guerrero quick so um when i first saw this movie you know i didn't realize that saw had other real connections to the st- I thought it was mm-hmm. just another character kind of introduced and then when I was watching through Clone Wars and I got into like the later seasons and Saw shows up I yeah, was like I think oh, it's that's like crazy five. and when I look up and I find out that that came out before Rogue One I was like wait a minute so definitely and even after then watching Rebels and now watching Rogue One I mm-hmm. was able to get like more of a nuance with Saw Gerrera and firstly I'm very impressed that they would bring a character only seen in animation Mm -hmm. and introduce him into a live action film and like kind of hold up the the reputation and the infamy Mm -hmm. that he's made for himself in this other medium in this other medium of animation and just translate it yeah because that is definitely not something that the casual yeah, uh, movie Star Wars fan would pick up on yeah. myself included. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> so um, I thought that was really cool. Um, what's interesting is like there's on Disney Plus, um, like special features for mm-hmm. all the Star Wars movies, and for Rogue One, they give like each of the actors like a little short video of them like talking about their character and how they like performed their character. And Forrest Whitaker, who played Saw Gerrera, talks about, like, the history of Saw Gerrera. And he's like, yeah, he fought alongside Anakin and Obi-Wan in the Clone Wars and <laughs> this and that. And now he's kind of, like, even though he's fighting against the Empire, he's kind of guilty of the same sins as the Empire. And that, like, it is reflected in the fact that, just like Darth Vader, he w- he has, like, had damage done to his body and replaced it with metallic parts, and he's kind of, like, the rebel Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dang, this guy, like... He knows He did his homework. Stick. Like, yeah. I feel like some actors, especially the ones that are, like, already, like, famous, like, Forrest Whitaker is relatively well-known. Yeah. Um, 
outside of Star Wars. But for, like, an actor like him, who's kind of, like, on the older side, not, like, the young kind of energetic actor who's, like... Like like how, mm-hmm. like, John Boyega and Daisy Ridley were when they first got cast, where they were like, yeah, it's so awesome, I'm so excited yeah. to be in Star Wars. But this guy's sitting here, like, he just spit out, like, Clone Wars knowledge. Yeah. Like, this guy <laughs> sat down and watched the Clone Wars, or someone explained it to him really well, and he cared enough to, like, mm-hmm. memorize it all. So, like, that was really good to see that, like, if he was doing that homework, like, I feel like a lot of people were doing their homework. And it definitely, like, there's references and, like, they had the background actors, like, grow out sideburns and mustaches so that they look like the same kind of extras that would be in A New Hope and stuff like that. So it's like, they really did, they, they put a lot of effort into it, I think, and, um... I think it turned out, like, perfectly. Like, I'm sh- like we said, there's definitely, like, a drag in the middle of it. But, like, for the aesthetic of it and, like, forget the story, but, like, the characters and, like, everyone did their job perfectly. It's just, like, mm-hmm. the story's kind of, meh, it gets a little slow in the middle, but then it picks up. In, like in incredible yeah. fashion so that just something about this movie like um it was their first venture kind of into this this spin-off the star mm-hmm. wars story kind of brand about these movies so i feel like although necessarily like the box office pressure wasn't as crushing as they would expect from like something like the force awakens where they just poured mm-hmm. a, a massive amount of money into it because they were really hoping for just a box office hit i mean Mm -hmm. which obviously it was i feel like this was something that they wanted because they didn't really have to they didn't have to do this you know Mm -hmm. so i feel like they could have just made us wait a year since conception i feel like this was always more about telling this specific story Mm -hmm. rather than just putting out content yeah so i feel like you can definitely just feel that when you watch just like the care Mm -hmm. taken into every aspect of the production of it yeah um i'm trying to think of ways to like like different things to bring up since we only talk for like an hour on these episodes trying Mm -hmm. to hit everything um one thing that i really love about this movie on like second viewings rather than like the first viewing um I remember I do remember watching it the first time in theaters because I worked at a movie theater and I got to see it um not by myself because there was like other employees there but like we got to see it the day it came out like on our own special viewing um or maybe well I actually now I don't remember we definitely did that for other movies, but mm-hmm. I don't remember if Rogue One was one of them now. I do remember seeing it, like, the day it came out in, like, a not-crowded theater. So I have a mm-hmm. feeling it was some special kind of thing. But, like, we still had to pay and everything, because it was Disney. Disney. We're yeah. not allowed to not pay. But, um, there was a moment where you see Tarkin's reflection in the window... And, like, the back of his head. And so, like, I feel like most people that aren't super familiar with it aren't going to be like, oh, yeah, he's that guy from A New Hope. Mm-hmm. But I was like, that's Tarkin. Holy cow. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's cool since they can't, like, put his face in it that they can, like, make a little reflection of it in the window so that they can kind of hide the bad CGI of, that it probably looks. Mm-hmm. And then he just turns around and is and in right. it. And he's in it for quite a bit. And I was like... Well, holy cow. <laughs> yeah. I was not expecting that. And, and then Leia at the end, which I think looks a little worse than Tarkin, but, like, I was very impressed that they yeah. even thought to try that. See, the thing is, it doesn't look bad. It's just sometimes it... It's I mean, just... I feel like the human brain is very attuned to just picking up other human faces like Mm -hmm. there's something in the psychology that is always searching and recognizing human faces Mm -hmm. so i think there's some shots where it's just like flawless and you couldn't tell like if you had taken a still and showed someone you wouldn't be able to notice like in the reflection i was like holy cow that looks really good yeah and then other times 
it doesn't look bad, but it just looks a little it in moves here. It just, there's just something a little off yeah. about it, but it's not like the movements are like weird. it's about as good as modern technology can make it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, and and yeah. the more they do it, the better they'll get at it. Yeah. So. But that there's like ethical issues behind that. Like, <laughs> should you bring back actors from the dead? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but That's, I think in this instance, they got permission, and it was. Like, they put care into it. They didn't just Mm -hmm. throw out a terrible CGI, even though it definitely looks like a video game character. But, um, like, a good one. Like, a a cutscene video game character, not, like, in-game play, because it always looks weird. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I I loved... One of my favorite Imperial characters in all of Star Wars, including, like, the shows and the stuff, is Krennic. Mm-hmm. Because, like, he's, especially after reading the book Catalyst, which is kind of about his relationship with uh, Galen Erso and his wife, and kind of, that book is kind of about um, Krennic trying to convince Galen to work for the Empire to build the Death Star, with, in fewer words. He basically asks him if he can study kyber crystals, yeah. quote-unquote, study kyber crystals, mm-hmm. but... um. That character, Ben Mendelsohn is, like, he's not, like, a favorite actor where I'm like, oh, Ben Mendelsohn's in this new movie. Mm -hmm. But, like, if I'm watching a movie and Ben Mendelsohn is in it, he's, like, one of the best parts of it. Like, Ready Player One, where he plays the villain in that. Like, he did really good in that. And then Captain Marvel, he was, like, one of the only things I liked from that movie. Um, Except, like, Coulson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But, um... He's just, like, one of those actors that I see, and I'm like, I know he's really good, so I just like watching what he does. Mm-hmm. So in this one, he's, like, this Imperial who's trying really, really hard to, like, get higher and higher and, like, prove himself, and people just keep pulling the rug out from under him, and it's, like, frustrating him to the point where he's like, we stand here amidst my achievement. <laughs> Plus, there's so many memes of yeah. Krennic. Like, that first opening scene, there's, like, three back-to-back-to-back. To yeah, back. that's, that's like one observation that, that we of. made. I was like, there's a meme in them throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. There's a meme. Rogue One is very heavy. I know. And, I mean, anything can be made a meme. We're talking about, like, popular yeah. like, uh, things like, that have been used, We like, were on the verge of greatness. Of we were this close. And then there's where he's like, really, farmer, man of your talents? Yeah, and then another... Oh, what's the... <laughs> another one. Oh, there's the, so... The one where he's like, we stand here amidst my achievements, not yours. And then there's even the one I've seen recently where it's like when they rescued Jin from like the, the prison mm-hmm. thing. And then K2SO is like, congratulations, you're being rescued. Please don't resist. <laughs> I've seen that I one haven't seen thrown around one. quite a bit recently. And it's just... Uh, I think that just goes to show like... Um, I f- like, it's not really a thing that's happened to too many of the Star Wars movies outside of probably just Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, where like there's the something can... almost There's something almost, like, culty about this movie. Yeah. Not in a demonic yeah. way or anything, but, like, in a way that it just has not, like, the biggest fan base, mm-hmm. but, like, a very tight-knit and yeah. dedicated one. The only one I can think of... From, like, the sequel trilogy is the sacred text one from The Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Like, that was a good meme, but, like, I don't really remember <laughs> no, any they're... other ones. Besides, like, the... More! More! Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a few of them. <laughs> yeah. And there's a, quite a few from Last Jedi, actually. And there's also... Like, the uh, yeah, refrigerator Ben Solo. Ben, yeah, Ben Kylo Solo. Ren. Yeah. Um, with the one with his shirt off. Mm-hmm. But, like, not... Like, I can't think of any memes from Rise of Skywalker or Force Awakens. Which is... Except the traitor one. People like traitor. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, but yeah, like, it seems like Rogue One did uh, have, like, a more cultural impact than mm-hmm. some of the other ones. But, um, yeah, I love Krennic a lot. And I love the Death Troopers. And, like, they introduce... I think they call them shore troopers, like the Mm -hmm. troopers on Scarif. And it's just like they really, like they kept a lot of what we already know, like Yavin 4 base and like the look of the character or like the look of the background characters and that kind of thing. Plus bringing back Bail Organa and Mon Mothma from 
um, the prequels. I think I said this once before on this podcast, but like the actress who was going to play Mon Mothma in one scene in Revenge of the Sith, but it was cut. They brought her back to play Mon Mothma mm-hmm. for a few scenes in this. And the actor who played Bail Organa is back in this. Um, and so it's just very... Like, it seems like they <laughs> they definitely, like, connected it back to what we've already gotten, but then introduced new cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it was cool to see the Mandalorian bring the Death Troopers back from Rogue One. Yeah. And it's like... This is something that, like, Rogue One is a movie that drew a lot of inspiration from the past, but also created its new stuff. And then the new stuff is bringing in stuff from Rogue One. So it's interesting to see that. And then, obviously, Rebels had a few Death Troopers in the final, I think just the final season. Because, well, I don't remember, I didn't watch Rebels until it was all out and on Disney+. Plus. So, like, this year. (laughs) Um... Mm-hmm. So I don't like remember like when the dates of it coming out or anything were. Uh, so I don't know when. Yeah, Ro- Rogue like, One I came out. Rogue One came that's, out. That's that's literally what I just looked up because I was gonna say something. Oh, Rogue yeah. One came out in twenty sixteen, mm-hmm. and Star Wars Rebels ended in twenty eighteen. It did in twenty eight in March. So early. I do not remember that at all. So. Assume, I, like assuming, I don't remember hearing anything about it because I didn't watch it. Assuming but I felt that like it, I would have heard about it. It has four seasons, assuming that was a four-year run, mm-hmm. and went from 2014 to 2018. That sounds right. Yeah, Cause, so... Because it was one of the first Disney yeah. Star Wars So things. I do think all the connections with, um, like, Saw Gerrera mm-hmm. in Rebels is after the fact of Rogue One. But even that, I think... Um, it brings to mind there's an episode or two in Rebels, I think it's a two-parter, where... Um, the, I think Sabine and Ezra go on a mission with Saw mm-hmm. to, like, Genosis. find a package or, no, well, that's oh, not oh, to yeah. find a package or something, and Genosis then it turns too. out it's a massive kyber crystal, mm. which is, I mean, they don't, they're like, we don't know what this is for, like, why did they want kyber crystal? Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it's a massive green kyber crystal, so we us, the viewer, are able to imply that it will be used to power the Death Star, but even that connects back to, like, in Rogue One, why Saw is on Jeddah, mm-hmm. or like in Jeddah. Is Jeddah the planet or the city? Jeddah is the city. So Well, he- it's called Jeddah City, but that doesn't mean it's not like, yeah. um, you know, like New York City, yeah, New York. Yeah, but or Jeddah's or like the... I don't remember It's like an name. ancient Jeddah, it's... Not Jedi, but... Well, it, but isn't... They're the- called the Guardians of the Wills. Yeah, but anyway, there's, like, a connection with I'm the whole I'm sure there's Kyber. some kind of... Yeah. So, just, uh... Another thing that, like, wouldn't be necessarily catering to just casual mm-hmm. Star Wars movie watchers, and it just... Again, it just shows how much detail and care they yeah. put into something when they really didn't have to, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah. So, while we're on Jeddah, I... Th- I think Jeddah is such a cool place because, um, well, it's, there's a, it's like a, it's more of a kids and like young readers book, but I bought it and read it cause it was like, <laughs> cause I'm a child. It was short. <laughs> I read it in like a day. Um, but it was about Chirrut and Baze, the guys from Jeddah and they were, they, well, Chirrut still is. Um, a guardian of the will, which is a reference from the like original drafts of Star Wars, which I think George Lucas wanted to call like Luke Starkiller and the Guardians of the Wills or something like that. But it was ba- like it got it like thrown out basically, and then they brought it back in this new form, where the Wills I think are the We've talked about that Yoda arc in the Clone Wars a lot, mm-hmm. but I think the Wills are like the faces that he sees that like float around him, with like all the, the marionette looking. Yeah, uh, I think those are tech. I think those are the Wills, um, and so the Guardians of the Wills are like this order that isn't made of people that use the Force, but they're like attuned to it in a way that like, whereas the Jedi kind of. If you think of the Force as an ocean, the Jedi are kind of like waterbenders, mm-hmm. where they can, like, move the water that's in the ocean. 
but the Guardians are kind of, like, aware of the push and pull of the ocean, but can't influence it. Yeah. So it's, like, he... Cheer it throughout the movie says, like, I'm one with the Force and the Force is with me. Like, he gets what the Force is and, like, knows its role in the universe more than, like, mm-hmm. the average, like, scoundrel that's just flying around, like, hokey religion, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> But he can't, like, use it mm-hmm. or anything. Yeah, one thing that I to- I never realized was in there is he... Uh, so, Cassian, they've landed by the Imperial base where Cassian has a secret mission where he's planning mm-hmm. on assassinating Galen or so. And um, he leaves the ship, and then uh, Cherith is talking to Baze. He's like, tell me, does he look like a killer? And then he's like, no, or something. And then someone's like, why do you... Jin's like, why do you ask? He's like, well, the Force always moves darkly around someone who's about to kill or something to that effect. And then effect. K2's like, his rifle was in the sniper. <laughs> yeah. And so, then she's like, dang it. <laughs> but yeah, I just, that whole exchange, I just, maybe I, that was always the point mm-hmm. of the movie where I looked down at my phone or ate popcorn yeah, or something. Kind of I like, never, I swear I've never movie. even heard those lines before. Yeah. Like, yeah. see, that's why we rewatch. Yeah. Okay. Well, and like when they're all taken prisoner at, um, uh, Sagarera's like base outside of mm-hmm. Jeddah, and he's like, um, "Is this your first time stuck in a prison or something?" And he's like, uh, "We all have our prisons or something." And then he's talking to Cassian, and mm-hmm. he's like, "I have a fe-, he's like I get the feeling you carry your prison with you everywhere you go," and then he's like, "Who's in the next cell?" And it's like the guy that they need to talk to, mm-hmm. and so it's like he he's definitely aware, and like the force is directing him mm-hmm. into things, but he's not like an active participant in it. He's kind of like a willing, <laughs> a willing, <laughs> <laughs> a willing participant in where it's going. Um, so I've all, I found the Guardians of the Wills to be really interesting, and so I liked that there was at least some kind of book about them. Um, there was a run of, like, a few comics about Galaxy's Edge, and in one of them, I think it's Greedo, or, yeah, I think it's Greedo, maybe not, but it's somebody, or no, it might be Han Solo, I don't remember who it is, but they go looking for, like, antiquities for this guy on get on Black Spire Outpost, and they end up going to Jeddah, and, like, a few of the Guardians try to stop them from, like, taking an ancient relic. And then they're, they, like, get away from the first few guys. And then, like, Chira is standing in the hallway, like, in front of them. And they're like, is he blind? And then he says something, like, witty to them or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's really cool to, like... Like, I find them and, like, the city of Jeddah to be so fascinating. Because it's, like, a holy city, they call it. And, like, it has those connections to the Kyber and the Force... And it's a shame that it just gets obliterated. And it's like, we can never go back there. Mm -hmm. We can only go back there in the past now. Um, But, like, I think Chira and Baze are my favorite characters in this movie easily. Because, like, even though Cassian and K2 are, like, a cool duo, like, the story of Chira and Baze, I think, is, like really well done and like their arc as characters is really good because we get a little bit of their origins in the the book I was talking about but like they were both kind of that way like the guardians of like basically not quite hermits but like they lived like kind mm-hmm. of like monks basically but they were present in the city and like the people saw them and like knew of them and so Bays left and stopped being them. That's why he doesn't dress the same as Chirrut. Um, like, he doesn't wear the That's uniform or anything. With the giant but back, he, he back still, like, hangs though. out with him because he's his friend. But that he's always like, ah, the Force. He's like, I've moved on from that and stuff. And Chirrut's always like, yeah, but you'll come around. And he, he like, oh, sticks with him even though he's kind of disregarding their old religion, basically. And then, um, in the end, like, he sees Chirrut's sacrifice... And then goes out to him, and he's like, the Force is with me, and I am one mm-hmm. with the Force. And so it's like this arc of restoration of this guy's faith and his friend not giving up on his other friend who's kind of given up on his faith. And it's kind of, 
Like, I'm obviously comparing it to, like, a religious thing because I'm a religious person, but, like, even within the context of Star Wars, that's what it is because mm-hmm. the Guardians of the Wills and even the Jedi are always described as a religion. So it's, like, it is, like, his faith that he lost, and it's restored. And you could kind of bring, like, you could kind of tie that to hope is restored as well. So I, I just love their arc one, and know, their friendship. One could say he found a new hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's the point of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> is kind of hope and just barely getting by, but getting by. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I would have preferred a prequel about those two guys rather than Cassian and K2. Even though K2 is pretty funny and Cassian is very, like serious and his like the stuff with him gets kind of dark like the beginning of the movie when we meet yeah and the guy he runs into him he's like my arm is broken and he's like all right just tell me what we need to know he's like they have a planet killer and then the planet killer (laughs) yeah and then and then he's just like yeah he's like everything will be all right shoots him right yeah he's just like tell me about the rabbits honey (laughs) (laughs) and then caps him Oh. Epic, amazing reference. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, that always surprised me too. I did, I, and for that reason, I don't know who that guy he's talking to is. Like, I, it's just like, like another rebel spy. It's just, I think. Yeah. So, but that's the point. It's just like these are just random just killed people, him, you know. And nope, he can't make it because mm-hmm. we're in danger. Yeah. Um. I'm excited, I guess, for the Cassian show if that's the tone they take with it. Because, like, we've had things that are serious before, but, like, we've never had anything that's kind of paranoid mm-hmm. in, in, like, feeling. So I, I would love the Cassian show to feel paranoid. Directed by the Safety Brothers. Exactly. <laughs> that's, the, that's literally what I've said. I've yeah. said that on the internet before, probably in a Discord. <laughs> I've said, I would love it if the Cassian Andor show felt like the Safety Brothers directed it. And it was just super paranoid and him, like, on the streets, running away from mm-hmm. Imperial. Like, just make good time in space. And that's basically what casting If you haven't... Have you seen Good Time yet? No. You should watch it. It's pretty good. Robert Pattinson does a great it's pretty performance. Good. <laughs> um, or even Uncut Gems is kind of the same feeling. But um, we could start a whole other podcast <laughs> on, on movies in general. I can yeah. talk for ages. But, um, yeah, like, I would love... And even this movie kind of captures that paranoia. Because, like, I'm thinking the scene where it's right before Jetta gets destroyed. And it's, like, that wide, wide, wide landscape shot. And you see the sun. And, like, you can see the city in the background. And then, like, the mountain where you know Sagarera's group is. And then just, like, this circle covers the sun in like a perfect eclipse and you're like oh shoot there's the death star and like you see them shoot it and blow up jetta in the background jetta city and then like nobody in in saw's palace like or palace what is his job no saw's like yeah. hideout knows it yet and then they're just like oh shoot yeah. and then they see it coming for them and then like at the end obviously when they destroy yeah. Everything on it's Scarif, like it's like, like everyone's done. Uh, it's like an interstellar where they're on the water planet and just every yeah. every so often, like every few, well, like I don't know how often, I guess, but just a wall of water is just <laughs> coming in. They're like, we got we got to leave. Yeah. At yeah. first, they think it's the mountains, and then they're like, holy cow, that's getting closer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, to the thing, the problem is there is no horizon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just kind of. Yeah, one thing about that. I feel like, although, to get into the technicalities of the Death Star, it's using less power mm-hmm. than it would take to blow up a whole planet, like we see it when it destroys Alderaan. Just, like, the way like the way they build the tension, it's just so much more intimidating than when, in A New Hope, they actually just blow up a whole planet. Yeah. Like, it, it never crossed my mind. I remember this was probably my second biggest impression about the movie was it never crossed my mind of what were to happen if you didn't use the death star at full power like (laughs) i didn't even like it didn't connect with me that like there was a lower setting Mm -hmm. i guess (laughs) so i was just like 
that is awesome. And then when they do it again on Scarif, and that's kind of like a, the final shot with Jin and not of the movie, but mm-hmm. just with Jin and Cassie. And I was like, that's just so like intimidating. It's so mm-hmm. looming, I guess. Um, another thing that that movie does it like takes the Death Star and also Darth Vader for that matter, things we're already familiar with. Mm-hmm. And it just gives us a reminder of why it was so intimidating and why it was so villainous mm-hmm. in the original trilogy. Like, I feel like we became a bit, we lost scope of like how terrifyingly powerful Vader actually well, yeah, is. And the fact that nobody. <laughs> Like, nobody in the wider galaxy really knows the Death Star exists. Like, we said with Rebels, like, Mm -hmm. what is this giant kyber crystal for? And we, the audience, are like, well, duh, it's for the Death Star. Yeah, but, like... But nobody knows the Death Star is a thing. And, like, if you read Catalyst, they don't even tell the people working on it what they're really working on. Mm -hmm. And then, um, when the Geonosians, like, build, like, work on building it for them, after they're done, they just wipe out the Geonosians. (laughs) And so it's like, nobody knows about that. And I'm pretty sure, to most people, Vader is just, like, a legend. They're like, oh, yeah, supposedly the Emperor has this, like, watch... Or, like, attack dog that goes around Vader. And he's, like, this mystical guy. And then, like, the rebels that see Vader in that hallway are probably like, what the heck is this? Like... What is this nah, guy? Yeah. What is this thing? But it just starts tearing yeah, them I apart. Mean, we see in Rebels that, like, the face or that kind of Emperor Palpatine puts forward is he kind of projects the image of, uh, like, the Palpatine. Like, he mm-hmm. looks not deformed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, he j- looks genial. Like, he shows this to Ezra. So I feel like that's just the propaganda that's circulating. So if they do know about Vader... It's just like, oh, yeah, he's his assistant. I don't know. It's just the Vader guy. and He's like a special like, bodyguard or something. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole... There's so much to just explore with the kind of the... Yeah. The historical impact that the Empire has on... Like, there's so many different perspectives that we mm-hmm. haven't gotten, so we don't really know, like, kind of what it's like for normal citizens, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. And I think another thing that we also forget is that, like, Tarkin and Darth Vader are equals. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, like, Darth Vader isn't, like, the highest in the Empire. The Emperor is still above him. But, like, even then, he doesn't, like, command the rest of the Empire under the mm-hmm. Emperor. It's like, him and Tarkin are, like, the two top dogs. And, uh, it's it's crazy watching this movie and then watching A New Hope after it because like you know when you see Tarkin there like on the Death Star in that meeting with Vader that like not that long ago they were on like they were above Scarif and Darth Vader tore a bunch of guys apart and uh Tarkin just destroyed like the entire battlefield including some of his own men Mm -hmm. and a bunch of rebels and stuff and it just makes them more intimidating as well especially like the scenes where I think there's at least one where like the Death Star shoots one of the planets, and then, like, there's the big... It looks like a giant nuclear explosion. But it'll just, like, move in, and Tarkin's just, like, looking out the window or at the view screen mm-hmm. or whatever, and he just, like, has this look on his face. And it's like, this guy is, like, twisted. <laughs> and, like, they explore him. There's a book about him that's really good. And he's in the Clone Wars, and he's in Rebels a little bit, at least. And he's just, like... A menacing dude, and I don't think A New Hope really does him justice, um, but, like, they've expanded on him a lot and brought him to that mm-hmm. kind of... He's just as dangerous as Darth Vader. Maybe not physically, yeah, but, like, he can command pretty much anything to happen, and it'll mm-hmm. happen. Um, so, like, I think they do the villains really well, and like I said, I love Krennic, and he kind of has all these aspirations... Don't choke on your aspirations, uh, is what Vader says to him. And, like, nobody will give, well, nobody will throw him a bone. Like, Tarkin's like, no, I'm taking control of this. He's like, no. He's like, he's like, I've been doing this my entire life. I should be the one who gets it. And then he just, like, 
like gets canned in the end like mm-hmm. they just kick him to the curb literally just blow him to pieces with the death star his own weapon which is ironic um and like he deserves it cuz he's like an evil guy but at the same time it's like you yeah, see how you see how cutthroat the empire is even within itself not just like oppressing the wider galaxy but like within its own ranks it's like kill or be killed mm-hmm. it's a dog eat dog world <laughs> fishy, yeah fishy, fish. <laughs> um, yeah. um and that probably brings us to like the final part of the movie is obviously um show stopping i guess like the very yeah. final sequence I don't think I remember the first time watching the movie in theaters. There's no way I was prepared no. for that. I remember that too. I was like, "Oh my lord!" I was just, yeah, I was like, "Oh my!" It was very. I remember that's like all anyone would talk about afterwards. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Yo, you see that Vader scene?" Yeah, like it was show stopping. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mean, it's not too often. Yeah, it's and- not too often that movies actually make me like genuinely worried about like are like terrified of a character yeah like i feel like i'm used to like i've watched so many movies that although i can recognize where there's tension i don't always feel it just because i i can kind of sense how the how the plot beats how Mm -hmm. the whole thing ticks and i yeah, it's can like you can know where you can know a movie is yeah. sad without like feeling sad. Yeah. So when like for example, when a movie actually like moves me to almost tears or to tears or when a movie genuinely like puts a pit of tension in my stomach, mm-hmm. that is what this movie did and it's not too common that this mm-hmm. happens to me. But- or just like absolute joy as well yeah because you can be like wow that's really cool how they're doing that and Mm -hmm. then you can be like (gasps) just like completely in (laughs) the moment not thinking at all and you're just like oh my gosh yeah i mean i've shouted in a few theaters and (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) no but um so yeah i mean that final sequence yeah Yeah. (laughs) that, that was an experience and a half but that entire sequence of just the rebels like handing this this USB chip, I guess, like mm-hmm. and just keeping it out of Vader's grasp, I guess. I was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, <laughs> and I was like, and I even re- though you know that like they get the pl- they have the plan. Well, see, the thing is, I didn't necessarily know how it was gonna plan pan out because like the first time I watched it, I didn't know that it was gonna. It was literally right. It was right where a new hope picks up Mm -hmm. so i didn't realize that it was like the tantive four that was Mm -hmm. the ship they were on or anything like that so i was just i was freaking out and i mean i still can kind of remember that experience every time i see that sequence Mm -hmm. and it's just it's terrifying it's awesome really Mm -hmm. um I've heard people say, like, oh, we need a Darth Vader movie now. Mm-hmm. And I don't we, agree We've with gotten that. a lot of Vader, he, you know? Because Vader's story is Anakin turning into Darth Vader and then Darth Vader being turned back to the light side by his son Luke. And then there's comic books that have filled in the gaps. Like, there was a run that explored right after um, episode three... And he's kind of, like, getting used to his body. And there's a Legends book that's like that, too. And there's another book about him. And it's just, like, not really... It doesn't do a lot of character except, like, explore his relationship with Mm -hmm. the Emperor. And then there's another comic run that's, like, after um, episode four, but but before episode five. And so it's, like, he's trying... He's, like aware of luke skywalker now and i think there's another one that's going right now that's after episode five and it's like how he's dealing with his son rejecting him when he says join me Mm -hmm. after revealing that he's his father and then he's like i'll never join you and then jumps down a hole rather than join his father and so We've definitely gotten a lot of Vader, it's just in other mediums. And, like, he even appeared in Rebels, and so you had that moment, like, 
a like a, a final moment between him and Ahsoka. Yeah. And so it's like I feel like his story there's nothing important that you could add with a Vader mm-hmm. movie. Like even if Vader appears in like the Kenobi show or like the Cassian show without that the Vader show, like, the Vader story is told. Anything else that we get would just be filler, and we don't really... I don't think it would be beneficial to make a whole movie that's filler, and you're like, yeah, it's cool, but... Yeah. It doesn't add in... Like, there's nothing more that needs to be added, so don't try to add anything. Yeah, and I don't even think Rogue One, like, progressed his character at all. No, and that's good. I wouldn't even say it was necessary, but, like, the way... There's definitely a time and a place where yeah. I feel like, and, like they Rogue used him One was very a good place. sparingly. And, like, they used him because they were exploring so much of the inner workings of the Empire. It's like, it would be foolish to not have Vader in there since he's such an important part of the Empire, even though not And that also, many since this him. is very truly a prequel, like, directly to A New Hope, mm-hmm. and obviously he's very involved in that movie, I feel like the whole idea is to ground yeah. this new spin-off in the world we know while like giving it some room so i feel like yeah. it makes like sense Vader, that vader's in this one like vader is more necessary to the movie of rogue one than i think princess leia is but she's still in it and mm-hmm. she's not an issue like no one's saying we need a early princess leia movie yeah but be, i that's probably because carrie fisher's no longer around and she's wouldn't be young anyway so it'd be hard yeah. to do that but um another thing is that I've seen people are like, how do we go from the Rogue One scene where he's just demolishing people in the hallway to um, he fights Obi-Wan and it's like this slow fight. And then he had like those guys that remade the fight scene Mm -hmm. in A New Hope to kind of have that intensity. And on one hand, I was like, yeah, they put a lot of work into that. And like, I get it. Because, like, it's modern filmmaking versus 70s film. Yeah, like... And uh, even what then, can they're, be like, held, they're like, you know? what's the story reason? And I'm like, well, there doesn't need to be a story reason, first of all. Not everything needs a story reason. Um, and second of all, the fight in A New Hope, as is, is so much better than the reimagined version, in my opinion. Even though that one's faster and more flashy and energetic... The one that we get in A New Hope is, like, just raw. And it's, like, these two guys that yeah, are older. And people will be like, yeah, but he was in Rogue mm-hmm. One. He was fighting the, basically unarmed guys compared to him. The and way he, I they see weren't, it. They weren't anyone that he cared about. So he was able to just slaughter them. Obi-Wan, though, it's like there's a connection there. And that fight can't be... Mm-hmm. A flashy, blah, 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 yeah. Blah. The way the way I see it, because if you want to watch the flashy, go watch the scene in Revenge of the Sith. I guess, yeah. but the way I see it is that fight is not as much about actual lightsabers as it is like character moments. Mm-hmm. So, like the way I see it is they're just not really fully fighting like yeah it's more of like a very measured very calculated like they're focusing on each other yeah and they're just kind of sparing i think yeah i think all of the fights in the original trilogy are like that with the exception of the final one on the death star Mm -hmm. like i don't think vader ever wants to kill luke in the entire trilogy i don't think that because i think i I feel like he could have i think for sure i think in return of the jedi luke definitely wants to win that fight so that's why it's more intense of a fight but, like, Vader's never trying to kill Luke in the original trilogy, so he's not going at him with that level mm-hmm. of intensity. Um, so I, I get yeah. it's just kind of obnoxious and annoying when people are like, <laughs> we need a Vader movie, and Vader fights really good in Rogue One, but not in the original trilogy, so that's okay, kind of you a know, critique. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't care. But much to its credit, yeah. Rogue One uses Darth Vader about as well as we can ask, yes. you know? Um... And I guess that's about it. Yep. Uh, that's about our, it on our thoughts for Rogue One. We could probably talk until the sun comes up. But um, <laughs> but that's where we'll leave it off. It's in here, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty hot and it's pretty late. So uh, thanks for listening. And um, I guess we're going to roll the credits. See ya. 
Thank you for listening to Lando's Lounge. Lando's Lounge can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing us with a friend or rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. To engage with us on social media, follow at Lando's Lounge Podcast on Instagram and like and follow the Lando's Lounge page on Facebook. To ask a question for our Q&A segment, The Carbon Freeze, engage with us in comment sections or shoot us a DM for the possibility of your question being featured. The intro music to this podcast is Star Wars Cantina Band Closed on Sunday Lo-Fi Remix. Thank you again for listening and tune in to the next episode.